Section 15 of Stories from the Operas by Gladys Davidson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Russell Newton. Section 15. Halivis la Juive. The Jewess. Towards the end of the 14th century, Monsignor de Brogni, chief magistrate of Rome, issued an edict which decreed that all Jews were to be banished from the sacred city, and the persecuted people, knowing too well that delay meant torture and death, were compelled to submit to their enforced exodus and to seek refuge in other lands. Before all had departed, however, the Neapolitans, who were at the time waging war with the Roman government, laid siege to the city, and having forced an entry, commenced ruthlessly to pillage and burn. During the absence of Monsignor de Brogni, his splendid palace was sacked and set ablaze, and when his arduous duties at length permitted the chief magistrate to return, he found his home destroyed and was informed to his horror that his beloved wife and infant daughter had been left to perish in the flames. But this was not in reality the truth, since, though the mother had indeed been burned, the babe had been rescued by a Jew named Eleazar, who, having thus saved the child by a sudden impulse, immediately carried her away with him to share his own fortunes, rather than restore her to the hated enemy of his race. De Brogni, frantic at the loss of his beloved ones, sought solace by joining the church, and having attained the rank of cardinal, he quickly rose to great eminence and power in the service of Sigismund, emperor of the West. Meanwhile, Eleazar the Jew had journeyed with many of his brethren to the city of Constance, then under the sway of the Pope, and settling here he engaged in the occupation of a dealer in gems, and by his industry soon became very wealthy. The little girl he had rescued was given the name of Rachel, and brought up as his own daughter, and in his own religion. As time went on, Rachel grew to be a very beautiful maiden, and as she had been always taught to regard Eleazar as her father, she rendered him due reverence and obedience as such, and proved herself to be a loving and devoted daughter. So the years passed peacefully enough for Eleazar and Rachel, but at last a change came, and terrible trouble fell upon them. One day, in the year 1414, the city of Constance put on its gayest appearance, and the people prepared to celebrate a solemn festival in honor of recent brilliant victories gained by their young prince, Leopold, over certain hated enemies. And as the Emperor Sigismund was to make triumphal entry into the city during the day, all work was suspended, and the citizens prepared to receive their ruler with loyal rejoicings. A solemn thanksgiving service was first held in the chief church of the city, which was situated in a great square, at one end of which was the jewel shop and dwelling of Eleazar the Jew. And presently, noticing signs of work going on within the Hebrews' abode, contrary to the decree gone forth that the day was to be observed as a sacred festival, the people in the crowded square gathered in angry groups before the gem shop, and indignantly shouted commands for the work to be stopped instantly. Eleazar, having scorned to recognize the Christian festival as applying to himself, had decided to carry on his work as usual, and now, hearing the menacing cries of the outraged populace, he appeared fearlessly at the door of a shop accompanied by his daughter and a handsome young man, whom he had recently taken into his service as an artist, though a complete stranger to him. This stranger was in reality none other than the young Prince Leopold, who, having on a former visit to the city seen the jeweler's lovely daughter, had straightway fallen in love with her, and knowing that he would never be permitted to wed with a Jewess, he had resorted to a disguise in order to satisfy the longings of his heart and enjoy intercourse with the object of his affections. For this purpose, he had left the court a few weeks before the emperor's entry into Constance, 
giving out that he would join the royal party when the day of rejoicing arrived, since great honors were to be showered upon him on that occasion. And then, disguising himself in the humble dress of an artist, he journeyed to Constance and introduced himself as a Jew, named Samuel, to Eliezer, who willingly took him into his service since he had great natural abilities. Here he quickly won the affections of Rachel, but still remembering that he could never marry the beautiful Jewess, he persuaded her to keep their love for a while from the knowledge of Eleazar, as he could not bear the thought of parting from her so soon. As the three now appeared at the shop door, the indignant mob dragged them roughly outside, declaring that they deserved to die by torture for their sacrilege of a solemn festival day. And in spite of Rachel's piteous plea for mercy, she and her father would have been quickly borne away to their death had not an interruption occurred by the entry of the Cardinal de Brogni, who was at the time passing on his way to join the emperor. Seeing that a disturbance was taking place, de Brogni stopped to inquire the reason for it, and this being explained to him, he gave orders for the persecuted pair to be released, recognizing Eleazar as one of the prominent Hebrews he had known in Rome, although quite unconscious that the fair Rachel was in reality his own daughter, whose loss he had never ceased to mourn. Compelled to obey the command of the powerful cardinal, the crowd drew back sullenly, and Eleazar and Rachel returned in safety to their home. That evening, being the Jewish feast of the Passover, a number of Hebrews met together to celebrate the solemn service at the house of Eleazar, who was a leader amongst his brethren of the faith. And amongst the company was the disguised Prince Leopold, who, though pretending to join in the ceremony, yet did not commit himself. For when the consecrated bread was handed to him, he surreptitiously flung it aside when he thought himself unobserved. As the ceremony came to an end, a loud clamor was heard at the entrance, and upon the door being opened, to the astonishment of all guards and attendants in the royal livery were seen without, escorting a richly dressed lady, who entered the house alone, and announced herself to be the Princess Eudosia, niece of the Emperor. As she entered, Leopold quickly retired into the background, and kept himself concealed from view, for he was affianced to the same fair princess, and knew that ruin awaited him should he be discovered by her in the Jewish household. The princess, however, addressed herself to Eleazar, stating that she had come to purchase from him a handsome jeweled chain, which she wished to present to her betrothed, Prince Leopold, when he appeared at her uncle's court on the morrow. And having chosen the most magnificent ornament of the kind which Eleazar possessed, she bade him bring it to the palace next day, and then withdrew. The Jewish brethren having also by this time all departed, Leopold and Rachel found themselves alone, and the beautiful Jewess, observing her lover's pale face and agitated looks, entreated him to tell her the reason of this. Then the young prince, having been awakened by Eudocia's visit to a sense of the wrong he was doing Rachel by thus seeking to win her love by deception, and filled with remorse, confessed to the Jewish maiden that he was a Christian, though still not revealing his true rank. And Rachel, overcome with grief at this revelation, reproached him bitterly for having thus led her into the crime of having loved and sacrificed her honor to a Christian. But when her father, hearing their voices, suddenly entered the room, and hearing of the stranger's deception was about to stab him in his wrath, her mood instantly changed, and, flinging herself upon her knees between them, she implored Eleazar to have pity on them both and to permit them to marry. "'My father, be not angry, but grant my wish,' she cried passionately, "'for I love Samuel, and he is all the world to me.' Eleazar, who loved his adopted daughter with great tenderness, gently raised her from the ground, and in tones from which the anger had all vanished, he said that he would consent to the marriage, since her happiness depended upon it. But Leopold, knowing that he, a royal prince, could never enter into such a marriage, 
now felt himself compelled to repudiate the bride offered to him, madly though he still loved and longed to possess her. And declaring cruelly that he could never wed with a Jewess, he rushed hastily from the house, despising himself for his own base conduct, and followed by the furious curses of Eleazar. Next day, the Jew and his daughter made their way to the royal court, taking with them the splendid jeweled chain which the Princess Eudocia had purchased the evening before. And upon arriving at the palace, they were at once ushered into the presence chamber. Here, the court was assembled with great magnificence, and Prince Leopold, seated on the throne beside his betrothed, was receiving the congratulations and praises of the courtiers upon his success in the recent war. When Rachel beheld the young prince, in spite of his resplendent attire, she at once recognized him as her false lover Samuel, and as the princess Eudocia was about to present her gift, determined to be revenged for her cruel treatment, she sprang forward, and snatching the chain away, passionately denounced Leopold before the whole company, declaring that he had committed the sacrilegious crime of having betrayed a Jewess. "'I, Rachel, and the maiden he has sacrificed to his unlawful passion,' she added in a voice that trembled with emotion. "'And since I, too, have shared in his guilt, I am prepared to suffer for my sin.' Upon hearing Rachel's denunciation, a wave of horror swept over the whole assemblage, for the deed of which she accused the young prince was regarded at that time as a terrible crime and was punishable by death. And since Leopold did not attempt to deny the accusation, but bent his head in acknowledgment of guilt, they knew that he had indeed committed this act of sacrilege against his religion. The Cardinal de Brogni, who was also present, seeing that it was so, now rose in righteous indignation at this outrage which had been offered to the Christian church, and declared that, in accordance with the existing law, Leopold and Rachel must both suffer death for their crime, and that Eleazar should also share their fate as an accomplice. And then, followed by the curses of the whole court, the condemned three were led away to prison. The princess Eudocia was overwhelmed with grief at this terrible conclusion to all her dearest hopes, but in spite of Leopold's faithlessness, she still passionately loved him, and determined to make an effort to save him from death. Having obtained permission to visit Rachel in prison, she repaired to the fortress without delay, and when the young Jewess was brought before her, she besought her to save Leopold's life by declaring to the judges that he was not guilty of the crime which she had accused him. Rachel, however, at first indignantly refused to help one who had so basely betrayed and repudiated her. But when Eudocia fell on her knees and passionately pleaded with her again and again to save the man they both loved, she relented unable to struggle longer against the natural promptings of her own heart, in which her false lover's image was forever enshrined. She therefore promised Eudocia to obey her wish, and when brought before the judges a short time later, she declared to them that Leopold was not guilty of the crime she had attributed to him. The Cardinal de Brogni, rejoicing at this news, now declared Leopold to be innocent, and gave orders for his instant release. But Eleazar and Rachel, being now accused of having fabricated the whole story to entrap the royal prince, were condemned for such high treason to the terrible death of being flung into a cauldron of boiling oil. The cardinal, however, feeling pity for the dreadful fate about to fall upon the lovely Jewish maiden, gave Eleazar the opportunity of saving his daughter by abjuring his faith and becoming a Christian, but this suggestion the staunch Jew scornfully repudiated, declaring that he preferred to die in his own faith rather than live to join the ranks of the Christians whom he hated. Then, having suddenly bethought him of a means of revenging himself upon the cardinal for thus condemning him to so terrible a death, he related to him the story 
of how his infant daughter had been rescued from the fire years ago, saying that the preserver was a friend of his own, and that she was still living. And the cardinal, who had never ceased to mourn for his lost child, implored him to say where the maiden was to be found that he might cherish her once again. But Eleazar refused to reveal the secret, having determined not to give de Brogny the information until Rachel was no more, that he might thus bring everlasting grief upon him, for having condemned his own child to such an agonizing death. And though the cardinal even humbled himself by kneeling in supplication before the Jew he despised, the longing of his heart remained unsatisfied. However, when the day of execution arrived and Rachel and himself were brought out to meet their fate, and were left together for a few moments near the scaffold from which they were to be flung into the boiling oil, the old Jew's resolution broke down, and feeling horror at the thought of sacrificing the beautiful maiden he had loved as his own daughter to satisfy his private vengeance, he besought her with all his heart to become a Christian, since by that means she could save herself from the awful death that awaited her. But Rachel declared nobly that she would never forsake the faith in which she had been brought up and had learned to love, and thus, firmly resolved to wear the martyr's crown, she heroically sprang upon the scaffold and, with a cry of exultation, leaped into the seething cauldron. Eliezer's moment of revenge had now arrived, although he had sought to avert it, and as his beloved Rachel vanished from sight, he turned to de Brogny and cried in a frenzied voice in which triumph and anguish struggled for the mastery, Behold your daughter, proud cardinal, now lost to you forever. End of 15 Recording by Russell Newton